0: Hey guys, this is Danny, the lead pastor at Swerve Church, and I'm so thankful that you're tuning in to the podcast today. I hope that the message that you're about to listen to will be extremely encouraging and uplifting, and honestly, I pray and hope that it's challenging to you as well. I want to invite you to join us Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Or I want to invite you to join us live online on Sundays at 11 a.m. on our Facebook or YouTube page. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I pray that you are by today's message. Today we're continuing our series text and it's been a super practical and informative series and what we've been doing is taking time to really examine the Bible and then we're asking difficult questions of it such as is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible trustworthy? Has it been manipulated or distorted in any way? And today specifically I want to attempt to answer the question, can the Bible be trusted? No doubt you've had conversations with friends who've said that the Bible can't be trusted, that it's a book of fairy tales that has been debunked over time, that reading the Bible is akin to reading Aesop's fables or Greek mythology, but nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, check out what Jesus says about the word, his words. Let's read this together. It's found in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And What Jesus is saying here is that His words, God's word will never pass away. And though many attempts throughout history have attempted to discredit, disprove and destroy the Bible, God's word continues to stand. So what we're going to do today is try to build your faith in God and confidence in God's word to see that the Bible is trustworthy. Here's what I got for you today. We have seven convincing truths that the Bible is reliable. So make sure you have your pen and notes ready. You're going to want to write these down. And here's the first convincing truth. Number one, the Bible is historically accurate. If you've read the Bible for any amount of time, you know that there are lists of rivers, cities, points of interest, kings, historical events, wars, and people groups. The Bible goes into painstaking detail of these things where you can fact check and see if they've ever existed in human history. And time and time again, the Bible has been proven true. Could it be because what the Bible says of itself is true in Psalm chapter 33? For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is trustworthy. For those of you that are into history, you love watching movies like Indiana Jones and National Treasure. This might be right up your alley because there's a standard that historians follow in order to prove something is accurate. It's called the historical accuracy standard. And the first of these standards is under letter A, eyewitness accounts. In other words, is what is written communicated by people who witness the things being said? We see this, for example, in the Gospels. Three of the four Gospels were written by people who knew Jesus personally, who walked with Jesus, saw Jesus perform miracles, and preached to the multitudes. The book of Luke and Acts, about a third of the New Testament, was written by the Dr. Luke, who went around interviewing first-hand eyewitnesses to Jesus, And he compiled his findings and research for Theophilus. Just read the first few verses of Luke 1 and Acts 1. And because he was a doctor, he took meticulous notes and he documented all of it for us. So these weren't stories that were passed on for generations. These were eyewitness accounts, interviews conducted within the lifespan of people who knew Jesus, who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus speak. The next historical accuracy standard is letter B, recorded and copied with extreme care. Many people don't know this, but the Jewish people were absolutely meticulous with how they treated the written Word of God. When they would create copies of the Torah, for example, the scribes wouldn't copy sentence by sentence or even word by word. They would copy one letter at a time. The Jewish people so revered the Word of God that it was absolutely imperative that they treated it with the utmost care and accuracy. In fact, when they would copy the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, They knew what the middle letter was, and they would count from the middle letter, and if the numbers did not match, they would throw the whole thing away. The last of the three historical accuracy standards under letter C is archaeological confirmation. And this is when historians and archaeologists attempt to discover the ruins of ancient civilizations. Again, guys, the Bible contains so much detail about people groups and places, kings and kingdoms, There's so much that if it weren't true, it could get disproven. But once again, time and time again, we've received archaeological confirmation about people and places in the Bible, proving the Bible to be historically accurate. For example, one nation that archaeologists had a hard time disproving until the last century was the Hittite people. That is until the early 1900s when they finally came across the ruins of the Hittite Empire. And sure enough, they found engravings, city walls, monuments to the multiple gods that they worship. They even discovered the Treaty of Kadesh, which was a treaty between the Hittite people and Egypt. By the way, all of this you can find online if you're super interested and you want to see not only pictures, but video of the archaeological site. So we know that the Bible can be trusted because it is historically accurate. Next, we know the Bible to be trustworthy because number two, the Bible is scientifically accurate. And here's what's interesting. Science is constantly evolving. I mean, there's things that we were taught as scientific facts 30 or 40 years ago that would be laughable now as we continue to advance and learn more and more. That's why they update textbooks every year, guys, right? With this in mind, it could have been super easy for popular thinking of of the biblical days to have crept into the Bible. Things that were believed scientifically for years and years. But there isn't anything like that in the Bible. Why is that? Could it be because God created everything and knows everything? God isn't discovering and learning like we are. He knows it all because he created it and he established the universe to function the way it does. For example, for many, many years, it was believed that the earth was flat. In fact, today, there's still a weird group of people that believe that to be so. But way before a mission space, the prophet Isaiah said, God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. How did Isaiah know this without NASA or a rocket ship or satellites in space? Could it be because God's word is reliable and true? Or how about this? For many, many years, it was thought to believe that the earth was held up by something. For example, in Greek mythology, the earth was held up by Atlas, or in Hindu mythology, The earth was on the back of elephants, on the back of a turtle, on the back of a serpent. But look at what Job wrote about the earth. He says, he stretches the northern skies over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. With all the popular beliefs and the available science of the day, any of that could have crept its way into the Bible, but it didn't. And here's why. Look what the scriptures say. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. He set them in position forever and ever. He gave them an order that will never pass away. God commanded. God created. God set it in place. He knows how it all operates. The Bible is scientifically accurate. The next reason we know that the Bible is reliable, number three, is because the Bible is prophetically accurate. Now, this is tough because it takes it from stating facts and history to predicting things to happen. There are over 2,000 some odd prophecies that have been fulfilled in the scriptures, and it only takes one to be wrong to disprove the Bible. This includes prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament that would be true and fulfilled in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus. Here's one example in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Isaiah wrote, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Isaiah prophesied the suffering servant who would be pierced for the sin and rebellion of man, hinting at the nails that would pierce Jesus' hands and feet, that he would be crushed, punished, and wounded, describing the severe beating, flogging, and whipping that Jesus would receive for our iniquity. Jesus would receive for our sin, but ultimately by his wounds that we would be healed, referring to the forgiveness of sin and new life that we receive in place of His atonement. And how can this be? Could it be because man did not come up with the contents of the Bible, but that it's the very words of God who knows the future, who is sovereign. As 2 Peter states, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's the fourth convincing truth, and that is that the Bible is thematically unified. I mentioned this last week. The Bible isn't one book, but a collection of 66 books written by 40 authors over a span of 1600 years. And yet, despite of all of this, there's one still, one still one common theme, and all of it points to Jesus. How can this be so? There's only one explanation. Maybe the Bible was divinely inspired by God. Maybe it's the very words of God passed down and communicated to us. And that's why Jesus did this in Luke chapter 24. Then beginning from Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. By the way, this is what we're learning through Swerve View Wednesday nights here at The Hub. We're studying through the Old Testament and learning how it all points to Jesus, how it's all about him. That's why I wanna encourage you to plug in so that you can see and learn that too. Ask anyone who's been coming. It's been a little challenging. You know, we're digging deep, but we're growing in the knowledge of God's word And more importantly, we're discovering the deeper that we dig, that all the scriptures ultimately point to Jesus. The fifth convincing truth is that the Bible is trusted by Jesus himself. Now, maybe you think to yourself that this isn't a convincing argument, but if you've dedicated your life to Jesus, if you've surrendered to his lordship over your life, if you've made him your savior, then whatever Jesus said, you believe and you hold it to be true. And Jesus trusted, quoted from and read the Bible. In fact, Jesus said this, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. So if you follow Jesus, and Jesus took the Bible seriously, then you should take the Bible seriously. By the way, this is why we read and study the Bible carefully, so that we can live out what it says. Many people read the Bible and they comb through it. They choose the parts that they enjoy and and ignore or outright reject the rest. But if the Bible is true, and if Jesus trusted the Bible, you can't do that. Here's the sixth convincing truth, and that is that the Bible has survived multiple attacks. Over the centuries, people, kings, political leaders have attempted to discredit, disprove, and destroy the Bible. But time and time again, they failed. Why is that? 1 Peter 1 says, The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. For example, in AD 301 to 304, the Roman emperor Diocletian burned thousands of copies of the Bible and declared that any home with the Bible in it should be burned down. And then he built a monument on top of what he thought was the last burned Bible. And he proclaimed these words, The Christian name has been extinguished. Well, after his death, the next emperor made Christianity the official religion of Rome. And to top it all off, his grave, which was a huge mausoleum, was converted into a Christian cathedral. Here's another example. Voltaire was a French philosopher who made some pretty bold claims against the Bible and Christianity. He once said this, In 100 years, the Bible would be a forgotten and unknown book. In 1778, Voltaire also proclaimed it took 12 men to start Christianity. One will destroy it. One year later, Voltaire died. And the last i checked christianity is still alive and the word of god is still here because the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord endures forever and time and time again the bible has survived persecution attack destruction but the word of god continues to stand firm here's the last convincing truth that the bible is trustworthy and for me personally this is the one that is closest to my heart because it's the one that i pray to see in the lives of my neighbors is what compelled me to plant the church it's what I want to see. And honestly, it's what I am seeing in many of your lives. Number seven, the Bible has life-changing power. The Bible is not any, or, any ordinary book. It has power. It is God-breathed, God-inspired. It has the ability to bring dead bones to life. That's why you hear stories all the time of people who have made poor life decisions and end up going to prison, but then some way, somehow, they end up with a Bible in their hands. And in the darkest, loneliest times, the Word of God begins to change them. Or you hear stories of people in places where there is nearly no Christian influence. Hard places like certain countries in the Middle East when you can get decapitated for claiming to be a follower of Jesus. In some way, somehow, the Bible is placed into the hand of an unsuspecting person and they begin to read it and it absolutely transforms their lives. This is the one convincing truth that you can experience for yourself. You can begin to read the Word of God and see for yourself how it can change and transform your life. And this is what Jesus said in John 8. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word of God is truth. And when you hear this truth, when you internalize this truth, when you accept this truth, it has the power to set you free. Because the Bible says that we are all in bondage. The Bible says that we are slaves to sin. That the sin that we all face, that the sin that we all face creates a chasm between us and God. We all experience brokenness. And because of that sin, we all face certain doom and destruction. We face exactly what our sin deserves: the wrath of God. But the Bible says that because God loves us and couldn't stand us to see us apart from Him, God proved His love through Jesus. And Jesus lived a life that we couldn't live, and He died the death that we deserve. But on the third day, he broke the chains of our slavery, conquering Satan, sin, and death. And through his death and resurrection, we can experience forgiveness of sin and new life. And guys, this truth will set you free. If you hear today and you sense God tugging at your heart, moving your spirit, nudging you to put your faith in Jesus, it's not because of some amazing speech that you heard. It has nothing to do with the orator. And it has everything to do with the fact that what is being said is based on the living, active, and life-transforming word of God and the only reasonable response is to put your faith in him and you have have an opportunity to do so right now and so God I just pray and I thank you for your word that is true and faithful and trustworthy God would you empower us to live lives founded upon the truth of your word that it may be evident to our neighbors and for those who are on their fence of faith Holy Spirit would you draw them near to you May your word transform them, that they would put their faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. Want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over. Join us. Come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?